Hello, hello. My goodness, I'm super excited for tonight. I'm super excited. Excited. Oh, man, I think God's got some really good stuff for us tonight. And um, I have to start my first story off with a little warning, okay? You can't do what I did when I was a kid, okay? All right? You can't do what I did when I was a kid. Okay, so everybody put your right hand up. Say, I understand that the story Will's about to say is something I should not do. Thank you and good night. Some of you said it. Okay, now, <clears throat> when I, <laughs> well, all throughout my entire childhood, I really enjoyed pranks, like a lot. Like, I really like, anybody like a good prank? Who likes just watching pranks? Because pranks are just too, too hard to be in the middle of, all right? Now, we understand that pranks ex escalate, right? They totally get worse. Now, believe it or not, the person that taught me to prank the best was my youth pastor growing up, okay? Now, I'm not teaching you how to prank. I'm telling you what I've done, okay? Now, none of this is crazy. I know I made you, like, say that I won't do it, but I have to say that precursor out there because JL is probably going to listen to this recording at some point, and I just need to make sure I say it. But the first night of my youth group when I was in high school, um, I went there, and my youth director, her, my youth pastor, her name was Robin, and she was just crazy. She was a crazy lady. And I remember thinking, if she's in charge of the youth group, I just want to go to see what happens. Like, there's probably going to be some sort of fire at some point. And um, it was just, it was so much fun. My entire high school um, career, I just went to youth group as much as possible. I played three sports a year, and I still made it to youth group every, every single week because this lady was just nuts. And I mean, I'm talking like we had, we had a broken nose once. Um, we've had, well, multiple. I mean, an arm and a leg. We had crazy allergic breakouts one time. I did, I did like uh, five mission trips with them, which crazy stories on all of that. But one of my favorite things to do was to prank my youth pastor, was to prank her. And she always would invite us over to her house. Mistake. Invite me over to your house, right? So one of my favorite things to do one time is I uh, get a rubber band, right? And you, and you put it over the sprayer on the sink. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Your brother did that? Oh, man. He's a genius. Okay. So you put the thing over there, and then you just walk away, and then, or you just watch. And so we were at a, like a little party at her house, and I put the uh, rubber band on the sprayer in the sink. So when you turn the sink on, it just sprays. But the thing is, I didn't know, like, at some point, the whole nozzle got turned. And so my youth pastor, she goes up. Her name was Robin. She, she goes up to the um, sink, and she oh, turns it on, and it just starts spraying. And What's really funny about that prank is when people don't turn it off immediately. They just go, ah! Well, it had sprayed the whole side of her fridge where she had hand-drawn pictures from orphans that she had hung up that they were supporting from Peru. Soaked them. She was, she was mad. She was mad at that one. One time, she, um, she didn't ask me to do it, but she asked a couple of our girls in our, in our uh, youth ministry to watch her house for her while she was gone. And she specifically said, don't let Will in the house. <laughs> Will got in the house. He got in there, all right? One of, my, one of the things I did is I got a big metal bowl and I put all of her silverware in it and I filled it full of water and I put it in the freezer. <laughs> so when she get home and she need a spoon for whatever, it is in a big block of ice. That's funny right there. I don't care who you're from, that's funny. <clears throat> my favorite one, and the one I, I'm, I'm, I really wanted to say tonight was I would get into her um, cupboard, like in her pantry, 
And I take all the labels off for canned food, so every dinner's a mystery. <laughs> is this beans or soup or... She, has, and she, she, probably, she might still have some of those because she wouldn't eat them because you have no idea what, what's inside. And it's just so funny because what, what do labels do? Labels, they describe what's inside. That's what they do, right? You have a label, you see it, like this is cream of mushroom soup. Oh, I should have just switched the labels. Oh, Eureka. Sorry, wife. <laughs> You've got to test it at home first, right? But labels are super important. They describe what's inside. And like, have you, like if, there, if there's a to-go box, like if there's a to-go box in the refrigerator and it says Joe's lunch, I now know that I am eating Joe's lunch, right? Which was delicious, by the way. Um, but they, the labels, they describe what's inside. And you and I, we carry labels with us all the time. We carry labels with us. Like for instance, I carry the label of handsome and that's my burden to bear, all right? <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, I carry the label of husband. I carry the label of pastor. I carry the label of father. I carry the label of hot sauce enthusiast. I really like hot sauce, all the different kinds. And like, these are just different labels that we carry, and we can carry good labels. We can carry bad labels. Um, I mean, some good labels that I carried when I was in high school was, well, what I thought was good. I mean, I was a jock. I played three sports a year. I just hung out with everybody that played sports. And I, I grew up in a small school. So like all of us in my class, in my senior class, we all just played all the sports together. And I played football. That was my main sport. Lettered for three years. We did really good in my senior year, except for Stupid Steamboat. That's a different story. But like it, it, was, it was something that was a label that I carried. I mean, I had a letter jacket and the whole, the whole nine yards. And I, something else that I, I carried through high school was I was the dude with the busted up SUV. I was that guy at an 84 Suburban that drank gas like crazy and had dents in the side and was amazing. He was amazing. His name was Frank, and he is still dear to me. Still dear to me, but some bad ones that you can carry, doesn't matter, like it could be you're rude or mean, and that could just be the persona or, the, or what you give off to other people that just kind of is that label that you carry. And labels, remember, they describe what's inside, but it can be tough when labels are wrong. Have you ever been mislabeled before? Where someone thought you were one thing, but in reality, you were completely different. I mean, I like to think of it like this. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and gotten the wrong food before? Oh, that drives me nuts. Especially if it's healthier food than I ordered. Not okay. You've gone to the drive-thru and then got to where you're going and then realized it was wrong? Oh, I hate that so much. Chick-fil-A has been pretty decent to me, but McDonald's is terrible. They are awful with it. You got to check that stuff before you roll away from the window. But the label on the outside of the bag, what it said was in the bag, really wasn't what was in the bag. The label was wrong. It was mislabeled. And I think that you and I can carry labels that are wrong in our life a lot. And I think that tonight, God wants to address some of the labels that we carry. And I think that he wants to be our label maker. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Because the truth is, no matter what we do or what we don't do, we carry labels. And the process of weeding through those labor, lab, labels is super, super important. Because if labels describe what's on the inside, then the labels we carry tell the world our story. That's what happens. We, we tell the world our story through the labels that we carry. So we have to be careful about that. Now, there's a story in the Bible that gives us this process in which we're to put every single one of our labels. 
There's a process in, in how God wants to handle our labels and how we need to put our labels through him. And the story is mentioned in four out of four gospels. So the gospel, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, is like a detailed account of Jesus' life, of Jesus' story. And this story is in all four of them. So I'm like, that's 100%, y'all. That is an A. I'm going to read this story because I think God's going to have some really good stuff for us. A little background on what's going on in Luke chapter 7. We open on Jesus getting an invite to dinner. Just getting an invite to dinner. Jesus has already done like some really cool stuff. He's done a bunch of miracles and things like that. But he gets invited over to a Pharisee's house, which is like a religious leader. Um, so we're just going to jump in. Luke 7, 36. It says, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Not so weird. That's fine. So he went to the Pharisee's house and he took his place at the table. In those times, Jesus like, would be like the guest of honor and he would have like a really good seat at the table. A seat where everybody could see him. A seat where everybody could see him. And it says, next, there was a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life. Like, with that, they're trying to be nice. Like, she lived a sinful life. And the other gospels just come out and say it. She was a prostitute. Like, you would see her on the corner trying to, like, get people to have sex with her for money. All right? This is the, the woman that walks into basically like a pastor's house. Right? So do you think, like, I immediately would just be like, this is getting a little awkward all of a sudden because you wouldn't normally see this person in a place like this, but she still comes in anyway. Um, and she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with a special jar of perfume. Now, this jar of perfume is something that back in the day, like in, in the Bible times, you can't just go down to the mall and get a bottle of Axe. It's not just something that, that is there. You have to like spend a lot of money. And the other gospels point this perfume bottle as being a year's worth of wages. A year's worth. That's a lot of money. So she's carrying this jar of perfume into this place. Um, and all of a sudden, we see that this woman walks into this place with a label. The, Luke, the, the storyteller here, says she was a, she was a prostitute. She was someone that was super sinful, and she walked into a place that basically isn't. It's, it's like the, the religious leader's house. And so she, she's carrying this label of sinner. She's carrying this label of prostitute into this place. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I think that if you ever want to get mentioned in the Bible in a good way, you have to have a measure of desperation. If you have a measure of desperation and you take that into a room with Jesus, he will meet you and rock you every time, every single time. And so for her to just walk in there uninvited, just because she knew Jesus was there, the only reason she walks in there, she has this measure of desperation. She has a little bottle, um, some of the gospels say it was a jar, so it could be bigger, of perfume. Man, that is, it's bold already bold already. And generally, when you read stories about Jesus, there is a crazy thing that happens, and there's an awkward thing that happens, and then there's some breakthrough that happens. And so we're about to see the awkward thing. I love awkward stuff. I really do. This one's super awkward as well. All right, uh, verse 38. So Jesus is sitting at the table where everybody can see him. She stood behind Jesus, so he's sitting, and I'm guessing she's standing behind him, and then she cries at his feet. So I assume she's like kind of under him or something like that. And then she began to wet his feet with her tears. 
that's not exactly normal dinner etiquette. I don't know if you guys are into that sort of thing at home, but I'm not. I don't have long enough hair. Maybe my beard, that'd be weirder. Okay. When she wiped them with her hair, she kissed them. Now it's super weird, right? You don't know where feet have been. The ground, I guess. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. Man, that is awkward. That's a little awkward all of a sudden. And one of the gospels is really funny because it says that she just walked up behind him and like off the jar and just dumped it on his head like that. So we know that like through the gospels, she covered Jesus in perfume. She covered him um, in this oil and it's super significant. And we keep reading Luke 7, 39 and 40. The Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this. Obviously everybody saw this. And he said, this is important to himself. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. He would know that, she, that what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him. Y'all, Jesus can read your mind. Read your mind. I imagine Simon's face was like, how'd you hear that? Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. I imagine he's like trying to be all religious. Tell me, teacher. This is interesting because in this verse right here, we see the label of this woman handled and confirmed by someone else. So she brings this label into the room. And I think the Pharisee here illustrates basically the enemy. And that the enemy confirms a bad label. The enemy confirmed a bad label. Though it was in his head, he, he, he thought about it, he handled that label and said, and he judged, judged her accordingly, that she's a sinner. But whatever the label she had, it didn't stop her from coming to the feet of Jesus and getting weird. If you're crying and wiping your hair on feet that you're kissing, that's messy and wet and sloppy and gross. But it's weird. But you see something like that to the Savior, to Jesus, and that day is super significant and super loving. But this is what Jesus says to the religious leader. Two people owed money to a certain lender. This doesn't have anything to do with people crying on kissing feet and stuff like that. Um, But it's interesting what he says. He says, all right, one owed him 500 silver coins. The other owed him 50 silver coins. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he let them go without paying. Which of them, or yeah, which of them will love him more? So it's pretty simple. It's like one dude owed 500 bucks and one dude owed 50 bucks. And the guy's like, all is forgiven. I bet the dude that owed him $500 was a little more sweaty than the other guy, right? He's like, thank you. He'd be a little bit more thankful. Man, man. Simon replied, I suppose the one who owed the most money. You're right, Jesus said. And I wonder if the religious leader was like, yes. That's right, Jesus, in your face. But Jesus is running this and not Simon. It seems simple, but this whole thing has to do with the woman and Jesus explains it right here. This is super significant. I love verse 44. Then he turned toward the woman, but he was speaking to Simon. So he turned toward the lady at his feet, but he was talking to Simon. So he's, he's, he's talking to over here and he's looking over here. And I think it's super significant because I think God will always give you promises in the presence of your enemies. God loves to give you promises out loud so Satan can hear how he's losing. God loves to give you promises for your heart in the presence of your enemy to show how devil-stomping powerful God is. And I believe that tonight, right now, 
He wants to do that. He wants to declare promises in each one of your lives, in each one of your hearts. And if you have the focus and the attention, just like, Jesus, I'm listening to you, he will declare these promises in the presence of any enemy because no one can come against God. No one can come against God. That's so amazing. He's talking to Simon, but he's looking. Man, he's looking at the woman. And he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water to wash my feet. Apparently, there was a dirty foot problem back then. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. That's, I guess that's a thing, too, back then. I don't know. I, didn't, I don't give. Aaron, did I give you a kiss when you got in today to work? No, I didn't. That must be a Bible thing, I guess. <laughs> right? But this woman has not stopped kissing my feet since I came in. Let's keep going. You did not put any olive oil on my head, but she has poured this perfume on my feet. So I tell you this, her many sins have been forgiven. She has shown that she understands this by her great acts of love. But whoever, whoever has been forgiven, only little loves little. So we look at that illustration of the 500 coins. That person's going to be way more thankful, way more loving than the person that was just forgiven 50 coins. And as a religious leader, you think that you are the, you're the best. You got that pride. You're like, I don't sin. I don't mess up. I'm good. I got life on my own. I'm solid. And so he's missing it. He's missing what Jesus is saying here. I think that God wants us to understand and know that our labels can go through his fire and come out pure on the other side. That our labels, if we can drop them at his feet, can be formed. See, Jesus says that she's forgiven. See, this woman walked into the room with the title of whore, with the title of prostitute, with the title of sinner with the title of you're not good enough and you're not worthy to be in my house. That's what the woman walked in the house with. And the woman walked out with the label free, redeemed, and forgiven. You see, you, you bring the labels that the world tries to put on you, that the enemy tries to put on you, that a bully tries to put on you, that anybody other than God tries to put on you, and you put that label through the fire, through God's words for you. You know what comes out the other side? Who you were born to be. Because God's labels for our hearts are the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. And if we can follow this model that this woman did, this woman had of giving our labels to Jesus, man, laying him at his feet and then letting God declare the promises in front of the enemy. And then if we can pick that label up and walk out, because the story ends so awesome. The story ends crazy. In verse 48, Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. In 50, he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She was able to take that with her. And this is what I think is super significant. And I'll invite the worship. Oh, you guys are so on top of it. What's so significant about this entire thing is that if you think about it, if she's wiping perfume and stuff with her hair, and it's this messy mess. I think that the next morning she woke up and she had the smell of that perfume on her hair still. And that was a reminder of the label that Jesus, that moment with Jesus. It wasn't like a, I got, she got up and read her Bible that day and so she felt good about herself. She remembered the moment that Jesus said, 
You are forgiven and you are free. I think that Jesus wants to mark us with that moment. He wants to give us his labels tonight. How many of you want a word from God tonight? Anybody? I mean, I do every single day, right? Every single day. And so what I want to do tonight is I want us to be able to hear from God and listen to what he is saying to us. We have to have the faith to put the label the enemy calls you through the fire of what God calls you and watch who you were born to be come out the other side. The truth is the the longer you carry the, the labels with you, the less they talk about your past, the more they determine your future. If you are carrying a label that the enemy's given you, maybe it's similar to the woman's, sinner, I'm not good enough. Maybe it's the, the, the title of player. It's, a, it's, a, it's the title of slut. Maybe it's that title. Maybe it's that label. Maybe it's a label, man, that I don't have what it takes, that I'm not good enough, that I already have it all. Maybe it's the label of prude. those bad labels you can help determine your future thanks for listening to the 4640 student center podcast for more information on what's happening in 4640 you can check us out on social media and at our website 4640gj.com service times are tuesday and wednesday nights hope to see you there